Hey y'all, welcome back to Eco Chic. My name is Laura Diaz. It's really great to have you here today. Let me say you are looking excellent today. Today's episode is breaking down one of the topics that I'm asked about most frequently, if not the most frequently. Today we're breaking down how to spot a fast fashion brand. Now, of course, this is not one-size-fits-all type advice. You've got to use your discretion and use these guidelines with a grain of salt, but I think I've broken it down to a bit of a science, if I may say so myself. We talk a lot on this show about fast fashion, ethical fashion, sustainable fashion, all of the things, because they're topics that I personally really like, you know, so selfishly, those are topics that I love to explore with guests and I love to explore with y'all. But also, I feel like it's one of the trickiest spaces when it comes to consumption. Whenever we talk about voting with your dollars or buying from brands that you really believe in, it's hard to feel like a truly 100% conscious consumer. When we talk about greenwashing, which we've broken down before on this show, and I'm going to go ahead and link in the show notes a how to spot greenwashing episode if you'd like to go back and look for that. But very often when we talk about greenwashing and how to spot greenwashing, it's in the realm of products. You're going to a Target and you're picking up a soap. It's got a little leaf icon on it, but you don't see any other claims. You can kind of think to yourself, oh, this leaf is a greenwashing icon, right? It's not always that intuitive, but with some practice, you'll start to pick up that when we talk about greenwashing, a lot of the terms we're associating with clean products, quote unquote, like pure, green, eco, None of those things have any sort of legal claims or legal standards. Those are words that you can put on any sort of product and we are misled to believe that they are the greener, cleaner option. However, when it comes to clothing, it's a lot trickier because there are not always those same in-your-face labels that you can look at and say, oh, I think these claims are trying to throw me off. It's harder to be a little bit more conscious when it comes to clothing purchases. And I feel like fast fashion is a word that has gotten so much buzz in the last few years. And I think it's great. It's so good that we are, as consumers, as a consumer society, becoming more aware of the uglier parts of the fashion industry, if I may say. So let's just go ahead and break down what is fast fashion. Fast fashion is clothing that is mass produced at a really inexpensive cost. Those inexpensive mass-produced clothes are brought to stores quickly, and the goal is high demand. The fashion industry as a whole is understood to be one of the most polluting industries, and there's a lot of reasons that fashion is one of the most polluting industries. We can start off with just the raw materials, what it means to create textiles and dye textiles and cut textiles and extract materials. That takes energy, it very often takes environmental degradation, it very often involves heavy emissions, it creates pollution. There are so many clear ways that the actual production of textiles is negatively impactful on the planet. The other really harmful, unfortunate side of the fashion industry is the human aspect. There are little to no standards when it comes to the ethics of fashion production, and what do we mean by that? There is very little protection around garment workers. We're talking about unsafe work environments. We're talking about criminally underpaid, unlivable wages. The fashion industry is unfortunately one of the most notoriously unethical industries we have as well. And so for a lot of people, when it comes to living a more sustainable, conscious, 
eco-friendly lifestyle, whatever that may look like for you, fashion is a really great place to start, but it's also a really great place to spend some time and recognize that this will be a lifelong journey of creating a more sustainable wardrobe. I did recently put out an episode on how to consciously clean out your closet, and in that episode, there was a whole bunch of links to more fashion-related conversations that I've had with some really great educational value-packed guests. But today, I feel like we're getting back to basics. It's very easy for us to give this blanket statement when it comes to sustainable fashion of buy better, buy higher quality, buy from brands that you trust. But sometimes, if you're starting out on that journey or you need a refresher, we want to get as clear and explicit as we possibly can with what those things actually mean, because even the best of us sometimes get duped by a fast fashion brand. With that, I have figured out, I've boiled down five tips or five pillars to look for to figure out if a brand is producing fast fashion. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it on your Instagram story, you tag me at Podcast, share it with a friend, put it in the family group chat, share it with the girlies because there's always someone in your life that could use this information. Plus, obviously, just make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening. I bet you already are, but it's always nice to double check. Also, I wanted to quickly share, perhaps you looked at the numbers today, we are almost at 200 episodes. I cannot believe it. And I want you to celebrate 200 episodes with me. My favorite kind of episode on Eco Chic to Produce is what I have called Chic Chats episodes. So that's when listeners will call in and typically speak on one central topic. But it's gotten really complicated as the show has grown and as time has passed. And we haven't put one out in a little while, but I'd like to make this our biggest and best Chic Chats ever in order to celebrate 200 episodes. So what we're doing, I encourage you to record a one to two minute snippet of yourself sharing your favorite creative sustainability tip. So something that you learned later on in your sustainability journey that you found really impactful or something that you learned that helps you make those more sustainable choices day to day a tip that you're excited to share with people, and a tip that you would be excited to share with the community. If you've never recorded a little voice memo of yourself, I encourage you also to check out recording on Zoom. I think that's really easy and pretty intuitive for most people in this internet age that we're living in, but I will leave some more detailed descriptions in the show notes, and you can email me your little mp3 at my email, which is always in the show notes as well. I seriously cannot wait to listen to these and to talk with y'all and to put this episode together. I think it's going to be so, so awesome. Also, before we get too deep into this conversation, I really want to emphasize that I am not here to shame absolutely anyone for purchasing products within their price point and products that complement their lifestyles. I do not feel like the conversation of fast fashion is one to shame people around. You're not a bad person if you purchase fast fashion. I want to make that super, super clear. I think the challenge is when we are pressured by hyper-consumerism, by trends, to buy hundreds and hundreds of dollars of fast fashion items at a time. So when we're seeing Shein hauls on TikTok, that doesn't make any sense. We should not be doing that. The point of this episode, again, is not to shame anyone. It's really to help us figure out when we are being tricked into buying from a fast fashion brand or when we are trying to be a more conscious consumer, what are some pillars that we can look out for? in making those more conscious choices little by little. You are not a conscious consumer overnight. I'm certainly not a perfect conscious consumer, but it's just helpful to have some guidelines when we're making these choices if we're being really conscious about those purchasing decisions. Again, it doesn't make you a bad person if you purchase from these brands. It doesn't make you a bad environmentalist. 
We all have checks and balances. We all do different things. The point is just to help us think a little bit deeper about those purchases when we have the opportunity to. Quick break to tell you about Vegamore. From curling and straightening to hairspray to overbleaching, we've all done some damage to our hair over the years. I've talked before about how I love to put my hair in curlers, and yes, the higher the hair, the closer to God. I love feeling like 90s supermodel with big, beautiful hair, but that means lots of heat, lots of pulling on that Velcro roller, lots of hairspray, and it just really shows over time. So if you're like me and struggle to have longer, thicker hair after years of damage, then you have to give Vegamore a try. I'll admit that I used to be someone who didn't think that much about my hair care, but you really have to start thinking about hair care the way you think about skincare. Your skin, similar to your hair, is a canvas. You want a really great foundation. And once you start investing in your hair and really thinking about high quality products, as opposed to those whatever kind of brands that we were all buying before, I'm telling you, you're going to see a difference. Vegamore has visibly transformed my hair. They have a holistic approach to hair health that uses smart botanicals that promote visibly thicker, fuller, longer looking hair. In fact, I saw someone recently that I hadn't seen in a while, and she asked me, what'd you do to your hair? Did you get a cut? Did you get a blowout? And I said, no, dig this. I just changed my shampoo and conditioner. True story, I couldn't believe it happened. It was like a commercial on television. Vegamore really has something for everyone looking to improve their hair health. Their Grow Revitalized Shampoo and Conditioner Kit works together to create visibly thicker hair and improve hair from the roots. It's really simple. You just massage the shampoo into your scalp for 60 seconds, follow up with the conditioner, and it's really that easy. I like the way that the shampoo and conditioner smell from Vegamore, but again, I love that you can visibly see a difference in my hair health. My hair is shinier. It looks like it is repairing itself from damage. And again, it's healthy enough that someone actually gave me a compliment on the change in my hair, and I was able to say it really is the Vegamore Grow Revitalizing Shampoo and Conditioner. With Vegamore, there's really no risk because you have a 90-day money-back guarantee, but with 91% of customers saying they saw visibly thicker hair with Vegamore in just three months, you won't want to run out. Don't let the damage of the past hold your hair back. See your hair's full potential with Vegamore. Go to vegamore.com slash eco chic to save 20% on your first order. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash eco chic code eco chic to save 20% at vegamore.com slash eco chic. It'll be in the show notes. The first, perhaps most obvious telltale sign that something is fast fashion is the price point. Let's be super clear here. It's cheap. Remember that the price of an item is all-encompassing. Whatever price is listed on that label includes resource extraction, plus the shipping, plus the time of a garment worker, plus the company overhead, plus a whole bunch of other things, so just continue to add on to that. I once learned that a good baseline for the price of a consumer item is often two times the manufacturing cost, plus 20%. So let's just use some really easy round math to illustrate this. If a shirt is costing you $12, that took the brand $5 to produce. That $5 includes, again, the extraction cost, the shipping of materials around the world, the wage of the garment worker. And then remember, they are still profiting off of that. So it's probably even less than $5. Now let's use this example of the $12 t-shirt and stretch it even further. 
$12 is a little pricey for an item you may see on Shein's website. So if you are buying an item from Shein for $5, what does that mean for what they paid the garment worker, for what they did to the environment in the extraction of those materials, for the waste that was produced, for all of the overhead that it takes to run this billion-dollar global brand? We've all heard you get what you pay for, and when it comes to clothing, you have to understand that you are paying for a lot more than just the t-shirt. So yes, I feel like price point is the number one dead giveaway of a fast fashion brand. My second tip or thing to look out for, I suppose, is that the item is trendy. I, of course, cannot speak on behalf of every single mega brand or everyone's personal style, but if an item is trendy, the goal is more than likely for you to consume quickly. An item is produced quickly. It's produced at mass for really inexpensive prices, so you can go out and wear it for the season pretty immediately. A quick turnaround time is another pretty good indicator of what a fast fashion brand is, and we'll talk about this again a little bit later. But when we talk about mass production and when we talk about price point and trendiness, Number three thing to look out for of is it a fast fashion brand is that the item is disposable. More often than not, these mass-produced fast fashion pieces are poor quality. They've got inconsistent uh, stitching, let's say. They're hard to wash. We can really speak often about the fibers and the fabrics, the quality of the clothing that you're buying for that price point. This is not a piece that you're like passing down to your daughter one day. This is a piece that you're wearing for a season and then throwing away or something that's going to sit in your closet until you realize you haven't worn it in a while because it's not that trendy anymore and then you're going to donate it. And when we talk about disposability of a product and trendiness of a product, again, we're talking about hyper consumption. You are buying things more frequently. The number four thing I encourage you to look out for when trying to figure out if something is a fast fashion brand or fast fashion piece is the marketing. How often are you getting alerted that there's new arrivals, that there's a new drop? How often are you being pressured to buy from this brand? I feel like this is a really good tip in the age of online shopping and of ultra powerful email marketing, because once you start to notice those subject lines that say new, 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 or new arrivals, or look what landed, anything along those lines, how often are you seeing that from the brand? And if it is more often than you actually need to be purchasing, that's a pretty good indicator that they are hyper-producing product. And again, very often when a brand is able to produce quickly and at mass, it's because someone is being exploited, be it a garment worker or the environment or anyone else in the supply chain or all of those things. Marketing is a really, really good indicator to see how quickly a brand is trying to turn over product to pressure you into buying. And my number five tip for trying to decipher if a brand is fast fashion is perhaps the one that requires the most legwork on our part. And that's looking at the claims of the brand. We're talking about transparency here. Is it easy to Google the name of this brand plus environmental reports, climate commitments, etc.? Are their claims backed up also? If they are saying that they have a conscious collection or a sustainable line, can you actually figure out what qualifies that as sustainable or conscious or whatever buzzword they're using? Does the greenwashing, do those buzzwords we talked about earlier that you may find 
on like a soap product, let's say at Target, those greenwashing buzzwords of clean, pure, conscious, green, whatever it may be, is the brand breaking those words down any further for you? Also, is their greenwashing actually encouraging consumption? So this is a really tricky one. And what I mean by this question is I'm thinking of those buyback programs. So H&M is a mega fast fashion brand, a really classic example of a fast fashion brand. So I will use them in this example of the claims that you're looking for when it comes to figuring out if something is fast fashion or if it's just trying to dupe you. H&M has a conscious collection they recently launched. And again, this is kind of an oxymoron because H&M is one of the biggest fast fashion brands that we know today and that a lot of consumers become immediately aware of when they become aware of fast fashion. So for a mega fast fashion brand to launch a conscious collection doesn't really make any sense. So you could take that word of conscious and say, what does H&M qualify as conscious? Is H&M backing up their reports? Are they giving you any numbers for how they're reducing pollution or what their commitments are to garment workers' rights and safe living conditions and livable wages? And the other kind of nefarious, tricky, sneaky thing that H&M does is that they offer a buyback program, or I think actually they sell it as a recycling program where you can bring back H&M clothing and you get some sort of credit towards new H&M products. So are they actually recycling these clothes? I don't know. But the tricky part about a recycling program is that it should be done with the intent of actually recycling textiles and taking things out of the production stream. But with a recycling program that's giving you credit to buy in the store, they're actually promoting your consumption. Do you see what I'm saying? It's kind of a little reverse psychology. It makes you feel good, but you're actually just eating out of the palm of their hands. A good real-time example of a brand that's really strategic about their marketing and how they greenwash is Boohoo, the mega, mega global fast fashion brand. And the recent announcement that Kourtney Kardashian is being brought on as a Boohoo quote-unquote sustainability advisor. There are so many things wrong with this whole situation, but I'm going to try my best to break it down for us. Boohoo is a brand that very unfortunately is notorious for not paying garment workers, not just not paying them a living wage, but actually not paying them outright. There are so many claims against Boohoo that it's unbelievable that this brand is still as large and powerful as it is. I'm going to link an article in the show notes that backs up that Boohoo produces several millions of items each year, which is disgusting to think about. But with many of those, of course, ending up in landfills, creating pollution, creating waste, so many environmental backlashes to the overproduction of ultra-trendy, low-quality clothing. And now let's talk about the Kourtney Kardashian of it all. I will be upfront in saying that I like the Kardashians. I like their show. I think Kim is really smart. Like I am every other young woman in America, I like to consume their content. I like the Kardashians. I'm going to go ahead and say it. But I am never going to claim that they are sustainability role models. There is arguably no single person, certainly no single family that represents and embodies consumption in the way that the Kardashians do. But if I may speak candidly, I think the example of Kourtney Kardashian in particular when it comes to climate change, environmentalism, anything like that is really interesting because she does really make it a point of her personal brand 
to be conscious, to be clean, to avoid toxic things in her home, really makes it a point to eat organic. And she does all of these things that we understand as kind of personal choice when it comes to environmentalism. And a lot of that is great. And a lot of that personal choice is important. And for you and me, a lot of that really makes a difference. However, we are talking about a multi-multi-millionaire here. Kourtney Kardashian avoiding plastics and buying organic does not at all offset the impacts of her private jet. There's definitely a case to be made that a lot of these quote-unquote more eco-conscious things that Kourtney Kardashian does and advocates for are very much virtue signaling for all of these other far more harmful activities that she participates in. Again, let's use the private jet example, but we also know that rich people make their money by investing in other things. Very often when we talk about banking, when we talk about divesting, when we talk about mega, mega money that's invested in the world, people, millionaires and billionaires, people like the Kardashians are very deeply tied into a lot of the, again, nefarious, shady activity that goes on in the banking and investment world. And look, I do not know anything about Kourtney Kardashian's inner workings of her finances, of anything like that. I'm not saying that she is equal to a Jeff Bezos when it comes to destroying the planet. I'm just saying she is an ultra, ultra wealthy person. And her impact on the planet, given her lifestyle, is certainly not offset by those individual choices that she's making on the ultra micro level. Again, eating organic, choosing non-toxic furniture and silverware and whatever else it may be does not offset trips in a private plane. Now, we've mentioned a lot of brands today. We just talked about Boohoo. Earlier, we talked about Shein. We talked about H&M. And when you talk about H&M, you can very often also talk about Forever 21. However, beyond these fast fashion brands that we've come to recognize as the villains in the space... I'd also like to talk a little bit about the sneaky ways that fast fashion can kind of creep up into you. And I think a really good example of sneaky fast fashion is from Revolve. I actually get a lot of questions about Revolve because I think like a lot of young women were being targeted, a lot of Revolve ads. Revolve spends a lot of money on influencers. They spend a lot of money on these giant events. And it's just, for whatever reason, so easy to shop on Revolve. Now, here's the tricky part about Revolve. Very often, the questions I'll get is, is Revolve fast fashion? And the thing is, it's not nearly that cut and dry. Revolve is basically a department store. They carry a lot of brands. They have a lot of inventory. And it is not necessarily its own brand of products that are constantly showing new arrivals. Revolve, as a giant body, is not necessarily pushing fashion down our throats. They're carrying a lot of brands, and those individual brands may, again, be overproducing, may be participating in unfair working conditions for garment workers. Whatever the issue may be, Revolve as a brand or as a website is not necessarily the problem. That would be like saying, is Nordstrom fast fashion? Is Macy's fast fashion? Well, no, but they may be supporting it in some other way with the brands that they carry and with the brands that they like to promote and push out. I'll give one example because this was really interesting to me when I figured it out. We know that mega brands and mega stores have white labeled products on their shelves. So again, if we're using this example of Target, we know that Good and Gather and Up and Up are all of these Target branded products, Archer Farms, those are all brands actually owned by Target. When it comes to Revolve, they also have a white labeled line. And the one I want to give the example of is Super Down. Super Down is very often one of the 
lower priced brands on Revolve's website. They do have some pretty trendy pieces, things with cutouts, things with slits, cool fabrics, cool prints, but also things that are heavily inspired by other more expensive products that you can find on their website. So very often it's like, you know, when you're shopping for something and it's like viewers also saw, etc. If there is a $300 red cutout ruffly dress, there may be a super down one that's almost exactly the same, but their red dress has polka dots on it or whatever it may be. The original one is $300, the super down one is $60. Which one are you gonna choose? Super down is a white labeled brand from Revolve. So the founders of Revolve are also the founders of Super Down. And when we are applying these principles of how to find or how to spot a fast fashion brand, you can very often see them in Super Down when compared to other Revolve products. So they are a far lower price point. The materials are definitely not as high quality as those higher end items. We know that they are trendy pieces. We do see that there are hundreds of new pieces added at a time. We see really high turnover in the inventory. These are all, again, telltale signs that this is a fast fashion brand. So I feel like that's a good example of a sneaky little way that maybe this larger brand that is constantly being pushed on you, AKA Revolve by all of the influencers on Instagram. Revolve is not fast fashion, but super down, their internal brand, their white label brand, is definitely fast fashion. Last example I'll leave you with, I learned from the Hulu documentary, Angels and Demons, which is a little three-part series on Victoria's Secret and Lex Wexner. And it was a really fascinating account of how Victoria's Secret essentially created the concept of fast fashion when doing some marketing research about how often women were going to shopping malls. Lex Wexner, the brain, I suppose, behind Victoria's Secret and The Limited and Bath and Body Works and all of those brands that are really staples in American malls, the marketing team of this larger L group realized that women were actually going to the mall two to three times a week, far more often than they realized. And so the concept of fast fashion was born. It's these women are coming in multiple times a week, seeing the same thing over and over again. We need to produce fresh inventory to keep them buying every time they come to the mall. Of course, fast fashion has been around for a very, very long time, but I really like that story as kind of the advent of fast fashion as we know it. It's Victoria's Secret prying on women and really digging deeper into that American psyche of hyper-consumerism little by little. I feel like I will leave us there today. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope it was informative. I hope you learned a little something. I hope that while you were listening to these tips, you thought of a brand that has been basically harassing you via email with new arrivals far more often than they need to be producing new arrivals. Thank you so, so much for hanging out today. It's been an absolute treat to hang out with you today. I hope you are well. I hope you have a really fabulous rest of your day and I will talk to you very soon. Have a good one. Bye.